Hello, listeners, and welcome back to my podcast. I am Dr. G, and joining me today is a friend and former schoolmate, Ms. Kelly Fontenelle. Kelly and I will be chatting about remaining positive during and after major illness. To give you some background, we're both cancer survivors who also went through major life changes during treatment and during recovery. I was diagnosed with cervical cancer in May of 2003 and chose to undergo major surgery one week after the diagnosis. Recovery was difficult and during that time, I also made the decision to end my marriage, which wasn't providing me with the support that I needed. Three years later, cancer reappears, but this time in the colon. My doctor takes care of that, and four or five years later, precancerous polyps have to be removed again. I'm happy to say that at my last test, everything was fine, and the next one is due next year. I will now let Kelly share her story. Welcome, Kelly. Hi, Dr. G. How are you? Thanks for having me on your show today. Thanks for agreeing to chat with me today. You're most welcome. Just share with, um, you know, the listeners, um, your you know, your story, you've been through um, cancer. Um, so if you can share with us, you know, when your diagnosis was, what it was, and, you know, how you decided to treat with it. Um, okay, so I was diagnosed, uh, this year will be my fifth year. In fact, I have my appointment um, in, in a week's time to, and hopefully I'll get my certificate of saying that I've been, I'm cancer-free. So yeah. I was diagnosed in March of 2015, about two months after I lost my mom from, from lung cancer. So my cancer was kind of a shock to me because for me, I, I, I had no signs. Um, I had leukemia, um, APL leukemia, and the way it came was I had my regular menstrual cycle and I'm always suffering with, always suffering with, um, heavy period. So during that last period, I was heavy and I was really, really heavy. The first day was heavy. Second day, third day, normally goes, it, Glenda, sorry. You heard the feedback? It's okay. I can hear. It's your son? Yes. Okay. That's, you need to go to him? No, no, no. I do not. I just wanted, okay. I, I wasn't sure if yeah, you were That's hearing. fine. I'm sorry. That's fine. I know how it is when you're a mother. <laughs> so go ahead. Yes. Okay, go ahead. Yes, go ahead. Okay, yeah. So um so I had my regular cycle. So I normally have very heavy the first, second day, third day, and it just, you know, gets a little it bit better. Stop. Yeah, but for this one, the first day, second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh day, and it wasn't it wasn't going away. And I had just had my son who had just brought into my life mm -hmm. and had just, you know, my mom had passed away about it in January and we were in, we were in the middle of March. Mm -hmm. So, you know, less right. than two months and then I got a new son. 
the day after my mom was buried. So I thought it was a bit of stress, you know, of the stress of mm-hmm. losing my mom, making all the arrangement and having Eli, bringing Eli into my life and then just adjusting because Eli was not planned. It, was, it just so happened. So all the adjustments of having a new baby and all of that. So I thought that was the stress of me bleeding, bleeding, bleeding. So when um, I had like fainting spells, I was, I couldn't, I, I was up all night because I had to go to the bathroom literally every 30 minutes because it was wow. just so heavy. So I remember on about the Saturday, Saturday, no, it was on the Sunday. I told my husband then that this, this is not, this is not supposed to be, I know it's just, you know, it's just my cycle, mm-hmm. which is a no, okay. but something is not right. So I was getting really, really weak. So I remember we called EMS. EMS came and and as a woman, you figure it's just my period. You know, I'll, you know, drink Mm -hmm. more water, Mm -hmm. drink more fluid, you know, eat more beet. I'll be okay. So the guys came, they checked me. My vitals were fine. And I was, you know, so I felt, okay, it's just my period is going to get better. And they told me, you know what, if you feel any worse and then call us back, we won't even charge you for the second call. I said, Okay. okay. It was less than an hour. I told my husband, I can't take it. Something is definitely not right. So the same mm-hmm. guys came back. They took me to the hospital. And I remember I went to a smaller hospital where we felt I would get help, you know, really fast. I called okay. a friend of mine to meet me at the hospital and then she came. So as soon as I got there, I got, I got checked up right away. You know, they did the vitals. They, you know, I remember they were trying to do a blood, to do blood test and they couldn't find a vein. When they finally found some vein, my blood just spewed out. It was like, I mean, the thing just injected up in the, in wow. the ceiling and it was scary. So anyway, she came back. The doctor came back and said my blood level was, I think it was like 2.5 or 3, but it was quite low. Mm. And they were really surprised I was still walking around because the doctor indicated if I'd stayed home, like maybe an hour later, I would have bled to death. Because, yes, wow. yes, because my blood level was so low. So anyway, I got my transfusion during the night, until the next day. They were able to bring it up to about eight. And mm-hmm. I remember he told me that, okay, you can go home in the morning. So in the morning, I was ready to go home. And they were like, no, we're going to admit you today. And I'm like, no, but I was told I was going home. I was going home. <laughs> so anyway, so I spent the whole, almost the whole day just waiting and waiting and waiting. And eventually the doctor came back and he said that, okay, we did some blood work. And he's, and he's first he asked me, do I have any sores in my mouth? And I'm like, no, do you have any spots on your skin? And I, I said, I don't think so. He said, mm-hmm. yes, we checked and we double checked and triple checked. You have cancer. Wow. Just like that. And I was all by myself. And I felt that first thing that came to my head was that we just buried my mom. My family is still rooting for my mom's passing, which was a bit sudden as well. And now I have to go tell my family that I now have cancer. And then because my mom passed away, for them, automatically, it would mean, you know, this is that you too. Yeah. the, the, The thought is that. Yeah. 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 So the same night I was, transfer- I was transferred to Emory Hospital the same night because where I was, they didn't treat cancer. So as soon as I got there, um, I think we got there like about midnight in, at the hospital when I got transferred like from about, um, I think we left about 11 and we got there about midnight and right away they started treatments at Emory. And apparently I was wow. 50-50 and I was in the way. I was so bad because first of all, I mean, I never left my house to go and get screened for cancer. 
I went because of right. my, my menstrual cycle was just not, you know, it was just too heavy. So there was, right. there was nothing in my head about ever of being sick. sick. And, yes. and then finding out that you have cancer. So my treatment, so treatment started immediately. Immediately. Treatment started. I wow. got there about after midnight and then right away. Every day just started treatment. I know it was so funny because when I got there, the nurse, the, the doctor was actually at home, but there were about two nurses that she was speaking to from her home, telling them what to do and you know, trying mm-hmm. because apparently what I didn't know was that my blood, I had an I had a, an issue where my blood wasn't clotting. So this is why I was losing all that you were blood. I was bad. bleeding. Ah. So my blood, so that was, that was the main issue to stop the bleeding so I wouldn't get sicker so they could start the treatment. So, so this, this was going on and I, wasn't even, I didn't even know that I was so sick. You know? sick. Mm-hmm. But treatment started right away and at the, I was supposed to stay. Well, I stayed for the first round. I had to stay in the hospital for 30 days so we didn't have okay. 30 days i did the i started um chemotherapy right away and the chemotherapy this was another story because they were starting you know it's not everybody's body is different so yes. they yes. had to find the right concussion the right poison that would go mm-hmm. you know with me and because yes. while i was there they tried every type of of, of treatment i got a stroke and later on, I got a heart attack and it was all because of some, you know, some of the medications. So they were being puzzled, like, you know, what to what to use on me, because now I'm a heart, you know, I had failure yeah. and yeah. also a stroke. So it was really, really difficult, you know, the first month um, being mm. being there. And it, it, it's 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 something you can't even explain because when you are in the situation and you know you just don't know what to do what to say because it, it was still shocking to me that I was diagnosed with cancer right and that it was that serious and it was that serious and then I had no signs you know there was I had no lumps right. you normally find out you know you have a lump somewhere and then you know right. there was nothing oh, yeah. like that you I was plan for to go to go into the hospital or you plan to go for treatment and so yeah it was nothing like that it was just my regular monthly cycle and then it just came out being that yep it was cancer wow. um during that say that initial month can you think of can, or can you remember what your mental state was like I know you said you were puzzled because this wasn't what you were expecting, but you know, any, any emotions that you can think of that came out strongly during that time? I think for the first couple of days, my, I was just thinking about Eli because Eli was two months old and I was thinking if something happens to me, what's going to happen to Eli. And honestly, I was thinking of how can, who, who, who would I leave him with? Who will be his guardian? You know, who would take care of him? This is what this was the thing that I. This is what all what I was thinking of while I was there for the first, I think, couple of days because mm-hmm. it it was just it, it was just so shocking that that it. I don't think it had really it had really registered yet that I was mm-hmm. going through chemotherapy. It hadn't really registered okay. yet for a while, but I was thinking about Eli because. I wasn't seeing him. I couldn't go see him. He couldn't come see me. So it was just, just about him for a minute. Um, 
okay. for the first few first few weeks in the hospital because even though I spent 30 days the first 30 days I went back home for a week and I was right back in the hospital again um for okay. uh, for other issues so I was back and forth I think until September or October I was in and out in and out um okay so that was from between March and October yes between March okay. se- September yeah September October yeah. I think September was my last stint at at the hospital yeah okay I think September okay. was my last stint at the hospital but it was it was something that that unless you are in and I know you have been in the situation so you know you mm-hmm. know it's really really difficult to even explain to somebody to tell them because you don't think of death because I was not even thinking of that I was thinking of what can what what's going to happen to my child that and kelly you are so right when i went through mine my daughter was only 3 and that was my concern yeah i'm not you know i i have to get out of this hospital to take care of your child to be able to take care of them. exactly that, you know that and that was it That's, that is all i was thinking i'm getting out here to go take, take care of her exactly that's all i was on my mind to take care of my child because it was so bad that when i went came out in may i had to i had some friends who came over from st lucia to help me and so I'm like thinking like, oh, my friends are here. Let me christen the baby. Let me christen him. Because right. this is all I'm mm-hmm. thinking of is how, what, what can I do for him? So let me christen the baby. Yeah. And it was in May, I think I started to lose my hair. Well, right. I, and then that's when it dawned on me that I was really, really sick. Okay. Is when my hair, because when I, while I was there, I remember the nurses were shocked. They were like, after three days, you're supposed to lose all your hair, but my hair was still, I still had a full head of oh, hair on my hair. It's in May when I, went to, when I went to get my first, you know, shampoo and the hair just came out. And then when I saw my head in the mirror, when I looked at it and I saw, you know, my plaits were more spaced out than grandma's teeth. And I realized I am really sick because before that, it was all about Eli. It was just about doing. Right. I mean, I was in the hospital and I couldn't. Nobody could see me because my nobody could come. I, could, I didn't really have visitors at the time because they said no visitors. Okay. So all I was doing is putting stuff together for him. You know what I was? Oh my God, Amazon! I was shopping on Amazon because <laughs> because it's like who's going to buy his clothes for right. him? Because you know that's that's what kept me kept me going. And it's okay. when I lost my hair and I realized I am really sick. And it, you know, and and I think that's probably why I didn't go crazy for a while because of all what I, even, I mean, the doctors were shocked of what I was going through. I mean, I had a heart attack and I had a, yeah, and I yeah. had a stroke. And, stroke. and yes. I had a stroke. So this is a lot for any anybody's body in, in all happening to, in yeah. such a, you know, a short space of time. That's it. That's it. That is it. Now, so you now are going through all these major changes, but you know, you're not at home to look after your family. You're not there to look after your son. So you still had to manage your household. Yes. And how did that work out? Well, <laughs> at first, I think um, I ended up getting a helper in June when I went Okay. In June, I had to get a helper because in June, I think I got sick again. I went home mm-hmm. for 
I went back home. I got discharged after a stint of chemo. And I went home and I think I went to church, it was. And I think I got a fever. And okay. when I came back, I went back to do, because I was still doing, I was still doing blood transfusion every Tuesday and Thursday, every single week, Tuesday and Thursday, because I was still losing a lot of blood, the blood. Okay. because of the chemo and everything else. So I was still doing, so I went to, to church one day and I had a, a fever. The next morning mm. I went to do my regular check up on my finger. My fever was about 104. And you know, when you're doing chemotherapy, a little temperature means that you have to go back. Means, yeah, yeah, you have to go back in. Yeah. So I had a temperature, and um, so the, I went. I was readmitted. So that that time in June, I realized that this is getting serious. I need somebody to help me, you know, with Eli full time yeah. because okay. of the back and forth and back and forth. And okay. um, and this is when. So before before she came, it was I was still trying because you still you are mother, you're a wife. You know, you're still trying to you do, still want you still to want to, to show your strength. You still want to show that mm-hmm. you, you can still do it. You still want to show that yeah. you're capable because, you know, you, ha- you have to. You have to be there for your, fa- yeah. for your family. That's, and and that's so right. I was trying and trying and trying until then I realized that this is not working out because you, you're doing chemo and chemo is basically poison for your body and it it changes right. how everything works. So I couldn't, I could barely keep anything down. I mean, everything I ate, I threw up. Mm-hmm. I think one of the things I, that really went well with me was a milkshake. And the funniest thing is okay. that I'm lactose intolerant, but I could have milkshake. <laughs> That's what you could keep down? That's what I could keep down, which was really, which was really weird. So I was having the milkshake because the doctor keeps on telling you, you have to eat because the, the chemo will make yeah. you, you know, you're going to lose the weight. So you have to eat, you have to eat. keep your strength. Mm-hmm. You have to keep your strength going mm-hmm. and, 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 and so on. But it, you, you have to be there for your family. You so. Yes. Yes. No matter what, no matter how high, the, yep. how weak you are, no matter, you know, how high the temperature is, you have to get up and do what you have to do for your family. And this is what I was, this yep. is what I was trying, but I was lucky. I had friends who came over, to help me, friends came, friends who came from Saint Lucia, who came, you know, a week mm-hmm. at a time to help me because they understood that I needed the help and with a, with okay. a small child. So, and it was yes. Yeah, so yes. I had friends, and I have my network of friends also in Atlanta who was there for me as well, um, especially that's excellent. Yeah, especially when I had to go to get my um, to get blood transfusion and all because sometimes it gets you right. so weak. And that's one of the biggest things I learned from being sick that no matter, you know, medicine helps. Yes, medicine helps, but you have to have support of family. And if not family, mm-hmm. friends, support of family and friends, friends. Yes. makes a yes, big yes, yes. difference because you need that. You, you need that. Otherwise, you can go crazy. It is true. It is true. I mean, illness takes a toll, not only physically, but mentally, mentally emotionally. Mentally, emotionally, yes. it takes a toll on you. And especially when you are laying in the hospital and you have nothing but time to think. That's right. <laughs> nothing but time oh my God. to watch the four walls and just think about what you didn't do, what you should have done. And that alone can yep. make you just lose, yep. lose your mind. Yep. So you, you need... And, and miss, you miss your you home. Miss, yes. You miss your own space. Yes. You know, I remembered um, a couple of years ago, I was here in, in, in the hospital because I've had a lot of surgeries. And after 
I think it was surgery number four. And, uh, you know, I was in the hospital and I, I, all I kept saying is I want to go home. Yep. I want to go home. I want to sleep yep. on my own bed, on my own pillow. Yes. You know, but I want to go home. But you know, actually, being in the hospital, you really don't. You don't get time to 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 rest because I remember when I was in the hospital and the first time I was close to the nurses' station. So you know, this thing is twenty four seven. So there's always noise and yeah, walking around. Always noise. Yeah, that's it. And also, yeah. the nurses, especially if you're there for cancer, the nurses have to come and take your weight. But for me. You know, they have to take your weight every couple of hours. They have to come and take your temperature every couple of hours. So you really, oh, oh you really do not sleep. You don't get to you don't rest. Get to rest. <laughs> yes. So the hospital is really not a place to rest, you know. That's good. So I can, you know, so it's not, it's, 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 it's not the best place to be mm-hmm. at all. But, you know, um, from listening to you, I get the, 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 the feeling that you remained positive throughout all of it. You remain positive. You never, I don't think you ever had the feeling like, you know what, this is it. I'm not doing this anymore. I'm just going to like give up and whatever happens happens. You know, you remain positive. Um, and I think that has a lot to do with how quickly we recover. That is so true because honestly, I did. I, I didn't have a choice but to remain to remain positive because I was thinking of of Eli. How you know who's yes. gonna take care of Eli? So my main goal was to get out there and get out healthy. And I remember my nurse was always telling me that I was one of the best patients because everything they told me to do to get better, you did I was it. doing it. I had to walk. <laughs> That's you it. Know, get up in the morning, walk around the nurses' station. I had to walk how many miles a day just to walk around. Don't stay. But no matter how much pain I was in. I would get my butt off and walk around. And then they were all rallied for me because they saw how hard I was working. Because if right. when you're sick, the more you, the more you let the sickness take over, the more it's going to take over. So you have to fight it mentally right. and physically as well. So you need to get, get That's up and say that true. I am going to win. Because if you don't and you just... You're very right, you know. It, be right. You could just stay in the bed and laser on and say, I'm sick. I'm, you know, you feel sorry for yourself. No, you cannot do that. You have to fight it mentally, physically, with medicine, with your friends and family support. You have to, you have to fight with every, every piece of energy that you have. Everything, everything in you. It's true. You. When I was, um, after my fourth surgery, my, I had surgery during... It was early in my second year at university. And I remembered having to say, you know, tell my lecturers that I was going in for surgery and I didn't know how long, you know, I would take to recover. I didn't know what would have happened. And it so happened what I thought was just ordinary surgery turned into another whole major surgery. yeah, and then I ended up, I almost died and and I had to be rushed for, for emergency surgery like two days after the first mm-hmm. surgery. And it was just, yeah, they didn't know what would have happened with wow. me. And, you know, after two weeks now in the hospital, I come out, I can barely walk because it they had to, it's almost like they ripped my stomach open 
because they'd panicked when they saw that I was bleeding internally. Uh And so walking was, oh my goodness, it was the hardest thing ever, you know? And I came home. I now have scars on my stomach that I have to take care of. I have to try and eat because after two weeks of not eating, when you start to eat, your stomach is not used to it. Just, oh my gosh, your stomach is ready to kill you (laughs) with pain. Oh my goodness. And then I'm, I'm at, I'm here thinking I'm not, I'm not at home. Right. I'm in a foreign country. I'm at university. I don't want to lose my semester because if I lose this, I'm on scholarship. If I lose the semester, I have to do a whole extra year. And I kept saying, there is no way this is happening. I'm not losing that scholarship. So I, I went, to, I had surgery in September and by October, if, with all my pain, I was making my way to campus on mornings. Like I clearly remember the driver of the shuttle saw me one morning. So I would go in, I would only do certain classes, only morning classes I would go for. And I went in the morning and I did a lecture and I'm waiting now for the shuttle to come home. And he looks at me, he says, weren't you sick? I said, yes. He said, what are you doing here? I said, but I have classes that I don't want to miss. You know, I'm, so I'm coming. And he said, listen to me, give me your times and I will come to pick you up at home. And that's what he did. Wow. You know, he would drop me off at the house and he would know what days, what mornings to come to pick me up. And he would come for me and, you know, take me in, I mean, take me to campus and so, I mean, I was so grateful, so grateful. And you were so right. The, the support, support yes. that I got, mm-hmm. you know, the support that I had during that time is what allowed me to complete my semester do, and still do well and heal. Yeah. You know, it, it, support Sup- is it so is important. Fair. Support is, yes. Support so family, friends. I mean, you have to have that because... Imagine you are alone and you're going through so much. I mean, for me, I'm, yep. you know, just yep. alone. I mean, if, if I didn't have my friends and family, take the husband away because he really wasn't there. But even have my friends and family, I don't know where I would have been because they're the ones who really, you know, and because they were pushing for me also to get better. It's like I had to win for them as well. You know, I had that, to be there yes, because... Yeah. And that's it. You had people who who rooting for you, who expected you to 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 get out of this. So it's like, yeah, if they want it, I want exactly. it just as badly. And, you, and the... you should want it even more than them because if they could see that's that you true. know there is a way for you to 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 get better, to you know, you have to do it as well. So support, support, support is 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 yep. it's huge. The medicine works. The doctor works, but family and friends support at the end of the day is major. Indeed, it really and truly is. Um, I know with any time people hear the word cancer, I think they think it's a death death. sentence. Yes, yes, yes. Yes. 
And you know, you know what, what happened with me when I got my diagnosis, um, I have an aunt who she's a nurse. And when I said to her, I'm, I, I've chosen to do surgery. And she's like, no, I want to speak to your doctor. No, don't do surgery. No, you must not do it. And she was, she was, and I could, you know, you can feel the yeah. fear. And I kept saying to her, it's my decision to make. And that's what I've decided to do. And she kept going on and on. And then what I realized from her, she had nursed so many people who were at the end uh-huh. of their race, call it, right? So for her, the side of cancer she that saw, she saw was yeah. end side when people were dying. Yeah. And I think that's what she figured would have happened with me. Um, so she didn't trust me having the surgery. And, you know, my doctor said to her, you know, don't worry about it. Let's, you know, let's go ahead and do it. And we will, whatever, you know, we will work from there. And after I had the surgery, um, she was at the hospital, you know, so, you know, she's still cautious because now you have to wait for result, test results and to see what else has to happen. And, and so, so I know she was a little afraid, but the thing about it is that, like you, you said, I never thought of death. I never thought. For me, it was like, okay, I go do my surgery yes. and that would be it. I just, I just never, ever, you know, to think, oh my gosh, what happened? Why did this happen? Never. I think. And I truly believe that remaining positive, positive illness yes. gets you on your feet faster definitely and i have to agree with you as well because for me i mean for a while it, it didn't even dawn on me that i had i had cancer or i was going for chemo or i had a heart attack or i had a stroke no those because when you think of those things too much i think it even brings you down so you have to have a positive mindset for me i was getting out of there yep. i was thinking of my next trip I was thinking of doing stuff with Eli. I, no, I'm serious. I was not That's thinking it. of just laying down there. Or, you know, you have to be positive because once you start thinking negative, everything becomes negative around you. Everything, you know, you see everything in, in the wrong way. So you have to keep positive. And, and as you said, when somebody has cancer, they think of the death sentence. But no, I know you've been through it like three. Nope. It doesn't have to be. It doesn't have to You've be. That's it. right. It doesn't, doesn't have, have to be. Have You've to been be. through it three times. You know, for me, hopefully that's, you know, not ever yeah. again. But you have to have a very, very positive, positive mindset. Positive. And for me, it was also. And, you, and to remain positive. After. Even after. Because let me tell you, every time I, every time, because you have to, every time I go do my, my checkup, because my checkup was every six weeks and it turned to every, um, then it's right. into every three months and every six months. Mm-hmm. And well, now it's every, well, I'm still doing every six months. But at first, every time okay. I went to do my checkup, I was so afraid. I was, I mean, I was, and then I realized, but what am I afraid of? I mean, what, what, you know, exactly. I remember when, when I got my yes. first cycle after I was diagnosed, I was, I was scared because this is how, Mm-hmm. This is how they found out I was sick. So when 
I was getting right. my cycle again. I thought I was going to continue bleeding forever like I did the first time. And the doctor said, no, 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 they've caught right. the cancer, so you're good. So after my, my next cycle, it was, you know, it was just a regular one. I felt, you know, more, felt, felt more comfortable. And then, but, but even right. after going through all the checkup, and also I, when I used to go by myself, I think that was the hard thing because I went by myself and I always think that if I have bad news, there's nobody there for me, I have to drive home by myself. And that's where the, that's where the support mm-hmm. comes in again. Because if you have somebody with you, they right. can be there, you know, they can be there for you as well. But you have to have a positive mindset. You have to have a positive mindset. That's super There was a right. time I had a, mm-hmm. um, about, I think sometime last year, I had a false, after my regular checkup, I had a false positive. And I think that was the longest seven days I ever had to wait you know, for the results to come back because okay. I, I told nobody uh, when the doctors, the nurses called me and said that I have to come back to do the test. And I remember like, why? They were like, just come back to do the test. So I went back to do the test the next day. And then I met with the doctor. She said, well, you know, um, sometimes, you know, things happen, but we just want to be sure. So, so when, right. um, the doctor called me. I remember I saw her name came up on my phone and I was literally shaking because I believe that if the doctor calls you, something is wrong. It's always the nurse calling me and then the doctor, the doctor That's herself right. is calling me and I was literally shaking. So I pick up the phone and the first thing she said, calm down. Nothing is wrong. This is Dr. This is Dr. Okay. Arigiano. I said, yeah, your name is in my phone. She said, no, no, no. I wanted to call you to let you know that everything is good. That everything, everything is good. good. It was it. a false positive. So I said, how you know it was a false positive? She said, we did the test more than one time. We Again. did it more than one time. Okay. So we know it was a false positive. But even afterwards, just the aftercare can be a little bit hard as well. And you still need the support. So it doesn't end after you, you know, you do all the chemotherapy. All the, you still need the, 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 the support mm-hmm. throughout, to, you know, throughout all of yes. your regular checkup. You still need to have that type of support as yep. well. And the other thing I learned when Definitely. being sick was that you have to get to know your body. You have to know, yes. you have to get to know your body. And mm-hmm. that's one of the things I learned from being sick, that you have to know your body. Because I apparently right. I had the signs because I had a couple of, you know, little spots on my, on my body that I didn't even realize was, was the sign of leukemia. Because I didn't know okay. it was, I thought I just hit my leg somewhere. And you know, when you hit your leg, you get the, you know, you get a, like you, a little bruise. Little so bruise. I had a couple of bruises and I just assumed I was running around and I, and I hit myself and that was it. But it finally, it was my blood mm. not clotting and I was getting all these bruises okay. on my body. So that's one of the other things I learned was even I, I know when I need a transfusion because I know how I feel that I need my, I need blood. So I okay. learned all of those okay. things. So you have to learn your body as well. You, because sometimes you feel sick and we as women think that we are so much, so strong that, you know, we can go, I can go another day. I can last another day. No. I can last another Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll see, see the doctor, doctor at the end of the yes. week. Next week. I'm busy right now. Yeah, we women yeah. tend to do that because we, we, we feel that we're so strong. But you have to learn your body and know how much your body, how much you can take can take it's true it is true but kelly it was so good chatting with you today 
Um, I hope the listeners, you know, take something out of this conversation. Um, I think one of the things that, you know, have come out in terms of, you know, things people need to, to remember, know your body and understand how important support is and also how important it is to remain positive throughout the experience. Definitely. Totally agree with you. There. So thanks for joining me. Thank you for Um, having me. And if any of you want to reach out to Kelly, you can join her. Kelly on location is her, her name. Kelly on location. You can check out her podcast as well. Um, Thanks for joining Dr. G. Hope to see you next week. Bye. Bye.